All right, so today I want to talk about seven things that will help you become a, a leader that people want to follow. Seven things that will help you become a leader that people want to follow. Because how many of you know, um, you could lead with people not liking you, but it's going to be extremely difficult. It's going to be the, the atmosphere, the culture, the attitudes. It's just going to be so difficult. You could lead with people not liking you, but it's going to be difficult. And the, good, and, the, and the truth is, you probably won't lead very long. If people don't like you. Okay. John Quincy, John Quincy Adams said this. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, become more, you're a leader. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, become more, you're a leader. So what if you're... What if your actions cause people not to dream more, or learn more, or do more, or become more? Does that make you a leader? Probably not, right? And so when the people around you, if, if their dream and their vision begins to increase, if they begin to have a desire to learn more and grow, if they, they want to do more and not less, right, then you're a leader. If people around you, all they want to do is quit around you, then we have to evaluate if we're actually leading or not. So number one, leaders must have the ability to show they care for people. If you're going to want to be a person that people want to follow, you have to show them that you actually care for them. John Maxwell says this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Great leaders have the ability to show concern for people's deepest needs and interests. That doesn't mean great leaders are mushy or patronizing or belittling, but when you are around them, you sense their interest and care and leave them feeling that you are important. And so when you are a leader that cares for people, even though you're actually correcting them and rebuking them, you walk away feeling, you know, he corrected me or she corrected me because she actually cares for me. Not because she's angry at me. Not because he's angry at me. Not because he doesn't like me. He said this because he actually wants to help me. We have to be leaders that care for people. Amen? Matthew 9, verse 35 through verse 38 says this. Matthew 9, 35 through 38 says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the, his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, Beseech the Lord or pray to the Lord of the harvest to send our workers into his harvest. Four things Jesus did here, right? Jesus went. He went to the place. Jesus saw. He saw the need. Jesus felt. He felt compassion. Jesus cared. Jesus went. Jesus saw. Jesus felt. Jesus cared. 
he has compassion and he actually did something about it. And so leaders, you know, we actually shouldn't just feel compassion. We actually should do something about it. You know? Because if you're not going to do something about it, then um, you're not really leading. You're just waiting for somebody to rise up for you to follow them. And in certain circumstances, sure, if you don't have the ability or the gifting or whatever, that's okay. But mostly, and we're going to talk about this, leaders just make it happen whether they have the gifting or not. Amen? So number two, leaders must have the ability to reach out and help people. It's no good for you to tell people what to do and you're not there assisting them. To. Now, there is a limit to that, right? Because you could have just assist so much. to Because the, there's some people that we begin to handicap. We're not, they're not growing because we just keep on doing it for them. And so leaders have to have the ability to discern, okay, this person is just taking advantage of me helping them. And so what I do is I, I usually do it one, twice, three times. And I said, is there a reason why you're not getting this? Because as a leader, you have to be observant. And you have to be prayerful about who you're mentoring, who you're discipling, who you're training. Because some people just don't get it fast. They just don't. They just don't get it quick. Some people get it real quick. Some people just don't. And sometimes you have to just spend a little bit more time on the person. But then you have to find out, okay, we've been doing this for a while now. Why are we taking so long? Why are you not understanding this? And most of the time is they don't look at it as a priority. I, I don't think this is important. This is why it's not important to me. This is why I'm not getting it done. Now, this is after you've invested time. Right? Because you first have to invest time with a person before you start like really correcting them harshly or sternly. Because if you don't, it's like a piggy, piggy bank, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. If I invested a lot of time in a person, then I could rebuke that person. If I do not spend enough time with that person, when I rebuke them, I'm going negative in that person's account. But if I put a whole bunch of investment, whole bunch of care, whole bunch of love, I've been with that person, I helped that person, I served with that person, I was right beside them when they were in need, I helped them whenever they needed help, and then it comes to a point where I have to sternly rebuke them, I'm withdrawing for something I've already invested in. And it's a little bit easier for me to take a rebuke from somebody that's invested in me already. It's going to be a lot easier for you to withdraw money from a bank when you've put money in. But if you ain't got no money inside of the bank, it's going to be real hard for you to draw something. And if you do, you're going negative. The same thing with people. If you don't invest in people, it's going to be real hard when you have to correct them. Because when you do, you're going to go negative. Does that make sense? You're going to go negative and they're not going to like you. They're not going to follow you. Most likely they're going to feel belittled by you. Most likely they're going to feel a resentment towards you eventually. Unforgiveness towards you eventually. Why? Because you did not invest in them enough for you to make a withdrawal. Does that make sense? In marriage counseling, they say this. That for every wrong thing you do, like for example, for every argument, 
there should be five things positive. So if you have a big fight, one thing. There should be five things that are great. We went out. We had fun. We laughed about this. I helped her, you know, clean the dishes here. She helped me iron my clothes. There should be five things positive for every one negative thing. Mm -hmm. Healthy marriages succeed like that. Same thing is true with relationships and leadership. For every one rebuke or correction or whatever, there should be five things that you're telling that person. You did this great. I invest, uh, you know, investing in them in this. Hey, you can make it. Hey, you're not, you're not going to quit because you're better than that. Does that make sense? You should be investing and caring and loving more than rebuking. When I find myself where I'm just correcting a person a lot, I stop myself, even though they probably need to hear it. And what I start to do, I start pouring into their life encouragement. I start pouring into their life love. I start pouring into their life that I believe in them. The worst thing that you can do as a leader is tell somebody or make them feel that, they, that you don't believe in them. And that's the worst thing to say. Don't ever let that come out of your mouth. I don't believe in you. That's, that's harsh. Even if you don't believe in them, don't say it. Speak faith. Amen? All right, so leaders must have the ability to reach out and help others. Um, and so, you know, encourage them to face their problems. Encourage them to solve their problems. Don't solve their problems for them. Assist them. And also let them know that you will be there every step of the way. So encourage them to face their problems. You're not going to fix their problems for them. Encourage them to solve their problems. And if they commit to doing that, then you say, if you commit to face your problems, solve your problems, then I'm going to be with you all the way. If you don't commit to that, then you're just basically wasting your time. Right? Because we don't want to go in circles with people. We have to put the responsibility on the person. It's not my responsibility to solve your problem. It's my responsibility to come alongside you as you are solving your problem. Does that make sense? And so um, this is one way that you have. Another way is um, leaders are out to see others' prophets. They have the gift of grace. And this is something I always talk about. We always have to have grace. We have to put ourselves in their shoes, right? Because sometimes we're real quick to judge. We're real quick to say, you should know that. But we don't know how they were raised, right? I know people that their parents did everything for them. They don't know how to mop. They don't know how to sweep. They barely know how to take a bath. I know people that their mom was taking them a bath 12 years old, 13 years old, and they're so, their mom is taking them a bath. A bath. A bath. <laughs> a bath, you know what I mean? And so we don't know people's backgrounds. And so we have to, we have to be sensitive to that. Now, after you've already taught them, right, several times, then that's when you sit down and you say, at this point, you probably should know this. Why don't you know this? You don't say that the first time. You don't say that the second time you address it. You say that after you've invested time with them, you've actually showed them several times. Then you'll be like, at this point, you should know this. Why aren't you getting it? Is it something that I'm saying? Am I saying it incorrectly? Am I showing you incorrectly? Why aren't you getting it? Right? Because it's better for you to blame yourself in a conversation 
than them. And then after you do that and you show them again, then there's, there's going to be a place where you actually just like, okay, now you're not getting it. And now there's, there's a problem here. Why aren't you getting it? But before it gets there, you have to invest time. Proverbs 18 verse 19 says this, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. There is a place where you can offend somebody where they don't want, have a, they don't want to have a relationship with you anymore. And if some of it is their responsibility because they shouldn't get it that far where they, they're, they're so offended where they don't want to talk to you no more. But some of it is our fault if we get it to that place. Where we're not sensitive enough, where we don't notice that we're offending people. We have to understand and we have to notice when we're offending people. Because our job is not to offend people. Our job is to serve people and impact people. All right, number three, leaders must have the ability to make things happen. Leaders have, the, leaders have to make things happen on a consistent basis. If you're not making things happen, most likely you're not leading someone else is and you're just following them as they make things happen. If you're not making things happen, most likely you're following somebody that is making things happen. John Wesley said this. When John Wesley was asked why people seem to be drawn to him, he said, well, you see, well, you see, when you set yourself on, pit, on fire, people just love to come and see you burn. He obviously is talking about spiritually. Yeah. And this is the person that Billy Graham is, was, was looked up to and he says, God, do it again in my life. And he says, listen, if you set yourself on fire, people will come and watch you burn. Amen. So this is what Steve Jobs says. He says, innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. What's innovation? Innovation is making something happen. Innovation is doing something that nobody's doing. Innovation is thinking outside of the box. He says, when you do that, that's the difference between a leader and a follower. Innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. Steve Jobs. Okay, number four. Leaders must have the ability to produce results. Right? When you're following somebody, you expect them to do something. Produce something. There's a difference with producing results and being busy. There's a difference between producing results and being busy. There are a lot of leaders that are busy. But when you evaluate what they're doing, what exactly are they producing? What exactly are they producing? Leaders should be producing results. If what you are doing isn't producing results, you may have to stop what you're doing and start doing something that produces results. Some leaders are satisfied with busyness. Great leaders want to make an impact. Some leaders are satisfied with busyness. Great leaders want to make an impact. And sometimes making an impact is not doing 10 things. Sometimes making an impact is doing three things and doing those three things very well. Because there could be seven good things, but there's only three things that you're great at. And those are the things you should be doing. Amen. Not only do they want to make an impact, but they want others to make an impact. In other words, you find people with similar giftings. 
similar callings, you bring them alongside of you, and not only are you making an impact, but now you're teaching them how to make an impact. That's when you start making an impact. Why? Because you're multiplying yourself. How does a person become productive? Find your strength and then find someone who needs your strength. Find your strength and then find someone who needs your strength if you want to be productive. Charismatic people use the strength to help other people feel good about themselves. There are other centered. The person who is self-centered uses his strength to dominate others. I'm going to say that again. Charismatic people use their strength or leaders use their strength to help others feel good about themselves. They are other-centered. The person who is self-centered uses his strength or her strength to dominate others. Number five, leaders must be able to influence John Maxwell says this, that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. If you don't have influence with people, you're not leading. If you can't move people from point A to point B effectively, because there's some people that can pull, uh, uh, lead people from point A to point B, but all the, uh, on, on the way to point B, they're fighting, they're arguing, everything is disorganized, and you're late at point B. But you got to get from point A to point B effectively. If you're not able to do that, then we need to grow as leaders. If we can't do that. So last year we talked about influence a little bit. Um, John Maxwell in his book 21, Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, talks about this. Number one is character. Who, who are you? True leaders always begin with the inner person. If you want to influence people, people are going to look at the type of person you are. Number two, relationships. Who they know. Build the right kinds of relationships with the right people and you can become the real leader in an organization. Number three, knowledge. You have to continuously have to grow as a leader. If you're not reading, listening to podcasts, listening to YouTubes on leadership, I'm almost guaranteed that you're not growing as a leader. I could almost guarantee that. People that have natural abilities to leadership, they could uh, possibly bypass that for a few months. But sooner or later, they won't grow as leaders because they're going to be stagnant. I remember there was a pastor that he was bringing some old strategies, stuff that worked in the 90s. I said, bro, that don't work no more. Things have changed. People have changed. You could tell that person just wasn't growing. As a leader. And so we have to do that. So the next thing to grow in your influence, because leadership is influence, is intuition, what they feel. Leaders seek to recognize and influence intangibles such as energy, morale, timing, and momentum. Again, leaders have to have the ability to discern the situation. Because sometimes you're rebuking when you should be hugging. You're correcting why you should be, while we should be encouraging. We have to discern that if we're, able, if we're going to be able to influence. And sometimes in the middle of your correcting, you'll sense it. And you have to learn how to make that shift real quick. And sometimes you could be like, man, I apologize because I, I came here to correct you, but I see that you, you really need to be encouraged. 
And you being real like that with a person, they, they, people appreciate that. All right, the next thing to influence people is experience what they've done. The greater challenges you faced as a leader in the past, the more likely followers are to give you a chance in the present. That's why uh, experience matters. It really does. So being a master's and leading, this all matters. Even your past experience, whether failures and stuff like that, that matters as well. Past successes, what they've done. Every time I extend myself, took a risk, succeeded, followers has another reason to trust my leadership ability and to listen to what I have to say. Past success. You want to build on your past successes. Last one, ability. What can they do? You have to have the ability to lead. The bottom line for followers is what a leader is capable of doing. They want to know whether that person can lead the team to victory. Two more. Leaders, number six, leaders must have the ability to give hope. Have you ever been a leader that just takes all your faith out of you? you it's like horrible being under a person like that. And then, how do you feel when you're around a leader that just encourages and fills you with faith? You never want to quit. You can do anything. We can go anywhere. That's the kind of leaders we need to be. We can't be sucking the faith out of people. We got to inject people with faith. Inject people with hope. That doesn't mean that you don't correct them. But after you correct them, you inject hope in them. Does that make sense? It's like the sandwich principle. The sandwich is like one slice, you encourage them, right? Before you rebuke them. Then you rebuke them. And then you encourage them again. That way, when they leave your meeting after being corrected or whatever, they still feel like, man, she cares about me. He cares about me. Even though you corrected them. Now, there is a certain level where, you know, like, for example, in school assemblies where things are moving quickly. This is why normally in a school assembly, I let the team know, hey, I'm just going sh to shoot at you if I have to correct you. Don't be offended. It's because we got to move quick. And then after I do it, I normally go up to the person that I, do, uh, that I did that with and I said, hey, bro, I didn't mean to offend you, hurt you. We just had to move quick. And I make sure that I let them know that I love them and I encourage them. Right? It's important that people feel that because you never want people to think, man, this dude doesn't like me. Man, this girl doesn't like me. Or why do they do that? You never want to keep it wondering because it just continues to fester. You know, and it's an open wound. You want to come and you want to be the healing for that wound and make them understand. And even if, if you pull them aside, it's better to do things privately because if they yell at you in, in public, then it's just going to start a fight. But if they yell at you privately, it's better to, you're able to control that better. And sometimes you just got to let people yell at you. You know what I mean? Number seven, leaders must have the ability to affirm people. We tend to become what the, most what the most important person in our life thinks we will become. 
I'll say that again. We tend to become the most important person in our life thinks we will become. Whoever the most important person in your life. We tend to become what the most important person in our life thinks we will become. And so if somebody thinks you're going to, if the most important person, like let's say your father, thinks you're not going to make it, most likely you're going to think, I'm not going to make it. But the person that, if your father says, hey, you're going to be great, most likely you're going to think, I'm going to be great. Have you ever heard why Kanye West thinks he's going to be great? Because his mom told him that. And look who he is. He's a little crazy, but you know, he is great. I mean, he totally changed the, the clothing trend. Like who, who thought that walking around with holes in your shirt was going to be like in style? And if you look at it, I mean, that really helps people in the hood because they were already, they were already doing that. You know what I mean? Now they be like, man, I'm in style, bro. <laughs> you know, so, so we tend to become what the most important person in our life thinks we will become. Think the best, believe the best, express the best in others. Your affirmation will not only make you more attractive to people, but you will help play an important part in their personal development. Amen. I got roadblocks to being an effective leader, but I could probably save that for next time. All right, let's get some feedback on uh, this teaching. <laughs>